0: Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: What's up, Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. If you play the position of quarterback and you are not injured, please raise your hand. I don't see many of those right now. Tough weekend, both in college football and in the NFL, for injuries at the quarterback spot. Some of them are a month to six weeks. Some of them are for the year. Felipe Franks is out for the year for the uh, Florida Gators. Tommy Stevens banged up. Going to be week to week, my guess is. We'll talk with Brian Haydad about that coming up in just a few minutes. Um, Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. Drew Brees out for six weeks, at least. Is the Eli Manning era over in New York, officially or unofficially? Kind of feels like it has come to an end. Tough week to uh, be a quarterback. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind and you're in North Mississippi, check out Mississippi Land Bank. You go to their website, you can kind of see the services they offer, uh, but you can also find the branch locations that are closest to you, and you can uh, grab a phone number to give them a call and talk to them about your needs. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land what's up Worky? not a good day today yeah it's a, not a good day it, this is why you shouldn't be a sports fan oh days like today because you lost your quarterback for six weeks and a game that they shouldn't have well okay that is a little extreme however that no call bring back the touchdown did change the complexion of that when did you morph game. into brian haydad <laughs> no it It did change the complexion of the game, but the way Aaron Aaron Donald in that defensive line was flat out just dominating the Saints up front, I don't know if the outcome, wins and loss, would have been any different, but the game would have been different. Yeah, the game would have been different because it would have changed the way the game flowed and the way it felt and the way it was played by both teams. Hey, Ed, did you throw anything at the wall based on officials yesterday?
0: No, because that's the best we can do. That's... They they're just human and they just they they're terrible at their jobs. They're all idiots and they should all be fired.
1: God, not all of them. All of them. No. Start fresh. I don't think you want to, what are you going to do? Go to the SEC to get your officials?
0: No. I don't know what we're going to do, but we need to do something. I mean that that's something the thing. needs to be done. If you
1: say I want to replace them all, then who are you going to replace them with?
0: People who are smarter?
1: People who know. have never officiated before their lives?
2: How could that be any worse? You saw the replacement officials three years ago. What do you mean, how could it be any worse? The officials had a strike, and they had two games. They screwed up a Hail Mary. It hey, was Daddy, so bad they a had point. to come to agreement so, in three So it
0: was, it was exactly the same, is what you're telling me? Those
2: no, no, it was, it was worse, it were you exactly. know Two it. eyeballs knows it wasn't the same.
0: Uh, I, just, I, I just don't know where to go with this, man. It's, it's every week. No, with, with, with that said, that was said, inexcusable.
1: Yes, I, I was gonna say, let, let's be clear. We're having fun with this a little bit at Haydad and Borky's expense. But think about it: three games in a row, like consecutively, for the Saints NFC Championship game, season opener, week two. You had the debacle that was the NFC Championship game. This, hey Rippy, this is where you say something about an interception.
2: <laughs> no, because I like to poke fun at a bit. I can't. This, yesterday was indefensible,
1: and like then, without
2: like shadow of a doubt.
1: And, and then in the season opener. You have the misapplication of the the clock that probably cost the Saints points, probably have the opportunity to get a little closer on that field goal instead of kicking a 57-yarder that Will Lutz missed, yanked it to the left. Uh, He's probably, what, at 45 yards, maybe? And, you know, points on the board. And then yesterday... Here's the part that I don't understand. Walt Anderson whatever you want to call him Walt Anderson the referee the white hat in that game he's the one that blows it dead
0: the head moron
1: it's a I mean like on the first day of officiating school given where we are with replay and review capabilities now they talk about if there is any question of incomplete pass versus fumble just let the play go and they did for 20 yards before they blew it and dead. The, that that's the thing. If you go back and you watch the video, they don't blow it dead at the at the point of contact. They don't blow it dead when Cam Jordan scoops it. Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan Cam scoops Jordan. it. They don't blow it when he turns the corner. They blow it when he's 20 yards down the field with guys chasing but that he's already run away from. Why would you blow the whistle at
0: that point? Because you're an idiot.
1: I'm having trouble arguing with you in this specific case. (laughs) There's got to be some repercussions.
2: Well, that's what. What's egregious to me, like, and you will probably agree with this, is like, it's one thing, like, the NFC Championship, they missed a bad call, but that one they went completely against something, they're fundamentally like base, like a basic thing they're taught to do. Like, right. it's not even a call type of thing. Like, they didn't let a play play out the way they're taught to let it play out, which is what I don't understand. Yeah, because like that doesn't happen often.
1: Hey, hey, Dad, I know this goes against some of what you think and what you say, but the reality is there are some really good officials in the NFL. There
0: just are. I can't wait to watch a game officiated by them. Let me know when those officials are. Well, I mean, what game they're listen, working? No, so hold I can on, watch hold it.
1: on a second now. I mean, sarcasm aside, you may not have a crew. There, there may not be a single crew in the NFL where every single person on that crew is really good. But you've got people at individual positions, different positions for referees, for officials that are really good at their job. That doesn't mean they never miss a call but they're really good at their job but then you've got a guy who's a veteran like Walt Anderson who's got a it, it, the, the, the ones that are really good at their job have got to be like getting to work this morning or back to their families last night and just walking in the house and banging their head against the wall and saying we can't win we, we can't st- stop tripping over our own feet Feet. Whatever. Foot. Feet. Whatever body part you prefer. You know what I mean. Whatever whatever you want to call it. You know exactly what I mean. (laughs) And so for the ones that are good at their job, the ones that are continuing to make mistakes that bring this black cloud down on the officials, it's not just the Saints game yesterday. Make me understand how that's roughing the passer. That cost the Denver Broncos a football game. A
2: win. Yeah. Isn't that one a little different because that of the might, body weight, because of the subjective body weight rule.
1: Yeah, that might just be a poorly written rule.
2: Maybe that allows too much t- like subjectivity. But, but,
1: but, but hold on a second. We're talking about football, which is a context sport. I understand protecting quarterbacks. I get it. Quarterbacks drive the the league. They generate the revenue. All those things. I said on on Ole Miss's broadcast on Saturday. I was trying to make a point, and I, we were talking about a targeting, non-targeting. And I said, football's a contact sport. And Harry Harrison corrected me. He said, Richard, football is not a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. I said, fair enough. Tackling is involved. He made contact with the quarterback as he was letting the ball go. It wasn't late. It wasn't a step late. It wasn't a half a step late. The contact occurred as the ball's coming out of uh, Trubisky's hand. And he didn't drive he didn't him drive into the, drive the ground him in. either. It wasn't a shoulder. It wasn't vicious. He didn't wrap him up and sling him. He didn't suplex him. His contact just caused him to fall on him. The way defenders have fallen on players for what year is this for the NFL? What 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 year are we celebrating? hundred 100 years. Uh, it's been I happening get- that way for one hundred years.
2: I I get all of that, but is that flag thrown if the body weight rule that they put in two years ago isn't implemented? I would say no, the flag's not thrown.
1: Is body weight the way the rule is worded? Or is it driving the player into the turf?
2: Borky, correct me if I'm wrong, and they may have amended it, but I believe the first couple weeks that was instituted, it was body weight. Which is, which it is prohibits a
1: defender from landing on top of the quarterback with most or all of his body weight. Well, he fell which on top of him oxym- with all his body weight.
2: Right, which is an oxymoron in and of itself cuz how do you ask a defensive lineman to tackle a guy and not put his weight on him? That defeats the purpose of tackling unless you're going to like judo kick him in the back of the head or something. I like there's no way to no, not That's also
1: him. a penalty. We we saw a right. suplex penalty in the uh Monday night game between well, the, with what, the Saints. What, what
0: you're asking them to, to do the is that discrimination is what it is.
2: <laughs> so the, the, the Let's difference call it what it is. The difference in the two is one, the NFL made a horrible rule cuz they've gone way too far for protecting quarterbacks. The other one I don't even have an explanation for the Saints when I I don't understand that in the slightest.
1: And that game of all games where you let something like that happen, that was the one game this weekend where you needed it to go flawlessly, and yet here we are.
2: I don't know if y'all noticed, but Bridgewater got sacked like three plays later, and he was complaining about a face mask, and they didn't originally throw the flag, and as soon as he started complaining, the guy slipped a flag out (laughs) like two (laughs) plays after it happened. Got a bunch
1: of texts that have already popped up on the C Spire text line with you. You can text the show, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. We'll get to some of your thoughts on the weekend. Don't forget, don't forget that a little bit uh, later to uh, begin the 4 o'clock hour, we will have winners and losers from the weekend. We want your thoughts as well. Text them on the C Spire text line or send them to us on Twitter. At Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. More coming up with you. Just getting started on this Monday in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online, supertalk.fm. Monday afternoon, The, uh, the mountain of things that we want to try and get to this afternoon is tall and wide. And uh, so we will uh, dive in. But we want you to be a part of it. So some of your thoughts from the uh, the C Spire text line. Uh, Let's see here. Richard and Wiggins. They come in and say, talking about the referees getting home, baby, did Vegas send the cash yet? (laughs) Tim and Tupelo points to the uh, Broncos game. He said that Saints game, another NFL officiating blown call, was my last straw. I'm done with the NFL. I will support New Orleans with tourism money, but will not buy any NFL-sanctioned merchandise. Exactly Broncos game and all, I'm done. So Tim is hanging it up because he thinks that the officials are out to get the New Orleans Saints. Jeff suggests that we need bubble wrap in football. Mike in Grand Bay wants to know if he's blocked because of thin-skinned JT. Says he needs to grow up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mike, I just read your text message, so apparently you are not blocked. I don't know; it's possible, Mike, that you. Um... All right. So, so, if you're wondering, perhaps why Rebecca didn't respond to any of your uh, your text during the show, it's because she's on maternity leave right now. Are we telling people that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It Evidently, well. we are. We just did. No. 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 I mean, uh, but but. In preparation for her being away from the radio, she did a bunch of work leading up to the time that she was going to be away. Yeah, and it's not just a bunch of best ofs; it's all yeah, original I mean, content. It's all on original the show. content. It's just pre-recorded. So Rebecca is not actually sitting here in the studio right now while you hear her on the radio, um, and that's perhaps why she didn't respond to your uh, message. How in Starkville, Clay Matthews had that body weight rule called on him three games in a row last year. I remember that.
2: But he hits on why that's a problem because you want to get, you want quarterbacks not to get hit at the knees or take a bunch of shots to the head. But they're also ruining how a lot of really talented people play football and mostly defensive linemen and sometimes linebackers. And well, I mean, what's the solution though? What do you do? eliminate the body weight rule. Just don't let let him hit him up at the head or down low. Like, if you want to shrink the target zone, fine, but don't penalize the guy for when he hits him in the middle of the chest for landing on him. That's the, like, it's, it's a contradictory rule. You're basically asking him not to tackle him.
1: Yeah, where was hand raise guy on this one? Because, I mean, not every NFL quarterback's like Drew Brees. are we pretending that NFL has hand-raised guy? <laughs> I mean, you would Come think on. so, right? No, no, Like, no, if no, I no, applied no. there, they wouldn't hire me, and I'd be hand-raised guy on that because not every quarterback's like Drew Brees that, that goes down with one arm. You've got Cam Newton standing in the pocket, you know? No defensive lineman cannot tackle Cam Newton double with his full alert. body weight. Yeah, double negative. Um, and not get him down. Like, you, you've got to go at Ben Roethlisberger, who's out for the year, Cam Newton, Josh Allen's a big guy. You can't just go push Josh Allen down. You've got to tackle him. Mm-hmm. And now we're telling them not to. Uh, Darren and Jackson, why don't they just change the NFL to instead of tackling or any contact with the quarterback, just put strips of cloth in their waistband. If you pull the strip down out, he's down. Jeez, yeah, I think that's called flag football. Um, we're getting there. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, we'll pause on uh, some of those text messages for a little while and dive into a bunch. I mean, we're going to talk about Drew Brees. We've already talked about officiating Mississippi State and Kansas State, Ole Miss against Southeastern Louisiana, big win for Southern Miss on the road against Troy. What happened in the SEC? Top of college football looked pretty darn good over the weekend, maybe a whole lot better than all the rest of college football. Big Ben's out for the year. We've got winners and losers and a whole lot more. So, hey, Dad, let's jump in and talk about Saturday in Starkville. Kansas State looked ready to play out of the gates. Mississippi State did not. Bulldogs woke up, got it going a little bit, and it was almost like the thing that woke them up was the muffed punt by Kansas State because all of the momentum, all of the momentum was with Kansas State at that point in the ballgame. They're about to get it back at midfield or better. Have not had trouble moving the football and a chance to go up seventeen to nothing, and then the game turns. It's a pretty tight game, and then Kansas State finishes it up with fourteen unanswered to walk away from Starkville with a win.
0: I thought of you uh, in the first quarter because you said it on Friday's show. You, said I heard you
1: reference me in your Periscope.
0: Yeah, yeah, that you said that you were worried about MSU coming out and being lethargic. That's with that.
1: in Borkley's Borkley. Borky's, uh, Borkley. In Borky's, we gotten that more than once. By the way, question segment: the the must do, can't do. Yeah, I went with lethargic.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what state was in the first quarter. Why? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, Kansas State came out, like you said, ready to play. They look like a, and they should because they have a new coach. But talk about a one eighty that program and that coach. I think they're going in the right direction. they looked awfully
1: confident, didn't they?
0: All that guy does is win. Yeah. No matter what.
1: He's got six natties.
0: Yeah, that and somebody tweeted that. I forget who it was. They are like, oh, wow, Kansas State hires a coach with six national titles, and they're good. Who would have guessed? I mean, sometimes it's just that simple. Some people are just winners. This guy is clearly one of them. Watching them was like watching 1987 Georgia play. They Here, just line up in the I formation, and they just come at you. It's fantastic. You know,
1: interestingly enough, though, why did it take so long for somebody to hire Kleiman? I mean, after he won I think, three, he wasn't good enough? Th-
0: I think there's some... Uh, his offense. I think, you know, in this day and age of college football, the idea of running a power running offense out of the eye formation, two tight end sets with hard people off. Might yeah. even be more than off. that.
1: I think yeah. sometimes these athletic directors get caught up in this idea that they have to go make this big splash hire, this named coordinator, this hot shot, whatever, yeah. instead no, of right. just going to
0: hire somebody that wins. That's why Bill hiring Clark this is still guy, at UAB. Hiring this guy drew some eyebrows at Kansas State. So yeah, I mean, but he's obviously a pretty good coach, and I, I like the direction they're going. In. And as far as state goes, you know, you think about those block punts. I mean, those the 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 fumble punts they came off of blocks. So you think you got you know, the ball's tipped, and you think that's a great play for Kansas State, but it, it screwed up their returns. They end up with well, I remember one punt the up back took it instead of the uh, the receiver, and State got a couple of breaks there and. Honestly, when State scored right before halftime on that long pass play to make it 17-14, I thought, okay, they're, they're about to get control of this game. And they come out in the second half, Stevens can't go, Schrader comes in, and they're able to even push the lead to seven, and you think, at 24-17, I thought, okay, it, it's finally turned here, and then the kickoff return happens, and from there you kill, they couldn't do anything else in the fourth quarter in case state gets the win. That dude looked
1: fast on that kickoff return, too. He, he ran away he, from people.
0: He had some speed, no question about it. He looked really good. And numbers the,
1: for, yeah, go numbers from the game. Skyler Thompson, 10 of 18 for 123 and a touchdown. Those numbers don't wow you. Not not for Kansas State through the air, but he made some really big throws late. The big third down conversion, the touchdown toss where he's rolling to his right and he allows the play to develop. He dumps it off to the tight end to uh, to give Kansas State the lead. So certainly efficient in that game. No, touch, uh, no interceptions. They didn't turn it over. Tommy Stevens, 7 of 15, 100 yards, a touchdown, two picks. Garrett Schrader came into the game, 4 of 12, 51 yards, no TDs, no interceptions. Combined 11 of 27. Obviously, that won't get it done. But let's back up first. Tommy Stevens, game time decision. Uh, when they interview Joe Moorhead coming into the stadium on college game day on Saturday morning, um, the sideline reporter was Allison Williams. I, I think she asked Joe Moorhead. He says then. Game time decision. We're gonna see how he looks in warm up. You get to kickoff, okay, it's Tommy Stevens. And he
0: didn't look like he did two weeks nah. ago. He nah. just didn't. Just didn't look sharp. Um, you know, of course the uh, the first interception, not his fault. He hits Gidry right in the hands, and that was the Gidry of twenty eighteen right yeah. there. Not, and that's that's a play play when you know when you don't make the full effort to go get that ball, that ball's gonna get intercepted. Every time, it's just going to be floating out there for a free safety to pick it up. Um, but then, like I said, the, the throw to for the touchdown to, to Mitchell is a great throw and a much better catch too. That that, that was a fantastic grab by Cyrus Mitchell. Who, if you want to find the outside of Kylan Hill, I think Mitchell's the biggest bright spot. He has really turned into a, a good receiver for Mississippi State. And then, I mean, State's just getting whipped up front. I mean. I said on the on this show and on my podcast I said you know I think the, the defensive line for state's going to have some issues but I think state offensively that they'll control the k State defensive line wrong they just got punched right in the mouth uh for four quarters and and Stevens you know, they said he went to the locker room and it, his arm just tightened up on him and if you go watch the first few plays he played of the second half it, 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 his, he's missing high it was just, just not a good day for him so this week will be interesting to see what what happens. Uh, we talked to Moorhead today. He said that Stevens feels better today than he felt last Monday. So maybe that's a good sign for Mississippi State that he you can get 100% Tommy Stevens because I, I certainly think you need him against this Kentucky defense, which is are, tough Are we the sure run. of what
1: Tommy Stevens' injury is, or is it just upper body? I mean, it's got to be his shoulder, right? I mean, of I mean, course I'm, it's his shoulder. Why are we <laughs> still doing the upper shoulders. body, lower body, hey, just the,
0: the moron parade? It could be worse. Mullen wouldn't even wouldn't even let us talk about it. Ah, well, you know what I'm talking about? Injuries. Yeah, well, he's
1: an idiot, too. And, uh-huh. and I, no, please understand, that's not me calling Joe Moorhead an idiot. But this whole idea of he's got an upper body, he's got a lower body, for all the coaches out there, you are not protecting the nuclear codes. The football that you're playing with is not the one that has the code to launch a nuclear weapon. Quit pretending like you're protecting state secrets by not saying... Hey. It's a shoulder injury. It's a strain. We don't know how bad it is. You're not fooling anyone That lower body, upper body. And not talking about injuries. There you go, hey, Dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along in the Renaissance Fangs studio. Didn't Bruce Marshall pick Kansas State to win 31-26? Wow. Yeah, we uh, we had both guys, actually. Bruce Marshall on Friday and Lee Sterling on Thursday. They were both really close to the final score, uh, picking that game straight up. And uh, I think pointed out that the money line play was the right play, uh, at least partially there. Uh, Dawson and Iuka, I'm an old Miss guy, and I love how Haydad calls it like it is. Preston in New Albany. It's amazing we're not talking about a Garrett Schrader injury when he took flight Schrader-Copter. Yeah. I want to get to that. But to me, that's an anecdote to the game. It was just an anecdote that looked really, really good in gift form and on highlight packages. Yeah, It was an unbelievable that's a, play. An unbelievable that's a play, body sacrifice.
0: That's a play that if State wins the game, oh. it's right, it's right up there with, like, Bean kicking that ball to Eugene Clinton and Dax run against LSU. It becomes an iconic play, but in a loss, like you mentioned, it's just sort of an anecdote.
2: Yeah. There were people poking fun at it online, like saying he didn't get close to the first down. I was like, in my eyes, he got pretty close from where he started. He He was about a half yard.
0: Yeah. 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 And he, he said in post game, which gives you an idea, maybe his mindset of what kind of competitor he is that should have, I should have put the ball out. I'm just thinking, dude, you're 10 feet in the air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i would have been thinking oh my god i'm going to die yeah and he's thinking i should have put the ball out. So.
1: I, i'll be honest with you i mean from a visual standpoint obviously it was fantastic right what was it fourth and 16 on that play and I he think
0: got 14 16 17 something like that. 15 yeah, 15 and
1: a half and i'm not sure that i've ever you 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 know the john elway helicopter play kind of stands out people remember that one and there are probably a few others i've never seen a guy that high in the air no. Because he 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 goes up trying to kind of dive and he gets hit, and then he gets hit at the perfect time by a second guy, but it was almost like with an up thrust and it caused him to continue to go higher. He was seven and a half, eight feet in the air. And He's it was like he stayed at that height and did a full 360, like a full three sixty before coming down fully on his back. As I watched it, I thought. Man, good for him for coming down flat on his back. Because if the angle is a little bit, is such where his head is is lower than his feet, that could have been really, really ugly.
0: Yeah, I think he was higher than you're thinking too. Because I saw a good picture of, of there's a DB in the picture with him, and he's he's got to be at least four feet above that DB. He, he was almost no. 10 no.
2: He no the the Sunday night football crew did a thing on it last night and he was like nine point seven. Wow. know, Borky. did you see this? Nine point seven feet at its apex? That's incredible. Something like that. It was almost ten feet off the ground. Yeah.
1: And he's not hurt. That's the height he's of the basketball hurt. goal falling flat on your back. Yes. There we go. Here it is. Sunday night football measured it at nine feet. Um so what about Tommy Stevens' injury? Hey Dad. Uh, I mean, is, th- is there anything to know or think or take away other than Joe
0: Moorhead saying that hey, he's better today than he was last Monday? If they, I mean, if they feel like that, you, you got to feel like he's going to start on Saturday. Uh, you look at Kentucky's defense, pretty stout against the run, but they're giving up 260 yards passing a game. State's got to want Stevens in the game. And Stevens is the better option than Schrader, obviously. Sure, he's a better passer. In their career. Just a better passer. But that said, Schrader's the better runner, and you, you mentioned the, the 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 stats. I don't know if you saw. I think I saw this on the Periscope as well. Uh, State was eleven for twenty seven uh, on Saturday. They were eleven for twenty seven. Fitzgerald was eleven for twenty seven up there a year ago. The difference is Fitzgerald rushed for one hundred and sixty yards, and you know Schrader and and uh, Stevens combined for about ninety yards. So,
1: hey, but I don't I, know if you know this or not, but Nick Fitzgerald didn't play in that game a year ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for that lady. Okay, now well, stop just, for a second. If you're driving down the road, you're going, yes, he did. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a a that's a Twitter joke from the weekend. Yeah. There there was a person who told that... I just couldn't hey, resist. That, um, it's like, I was at the game. He didn't, he I didn't, was there. He didn't play in that game last year. Yeah.
0: Did you
2: yeah. ever confirm
0: that he did play? That uh, did? I, yes, I did. I, I found the box score and everything.
1: I yeah. do love the confidence of people that are wrong online. Same here. <laughs> it happens every yeah, now and then. It's almost
0: admirable. But, but as far as Stevens goes for this week... Got to expect him to be there for sure. I think he'll play. Um, if he's, like I said, if he's feeling better than he was this week, it's got to be coming along. Uh, but that said, he clearly wasn't a hundred percent last week, and it, it might have behooved State to uh, to formulate a game plan around Schrader and just let him get out there.
1: Did Leo Lewis play his best game at Mississippi State?
0: <sighs> he and Thompson they play, and they haven't played great, you know, compared to what they did a year ago. And I think a lot of that is. It, you can play great as a linebacker when Jeff Simmons is eating up three blockers in front of you. Yeah, but Leo Lewis really had not played well since his freshman year, has he? he he's he has, he's not played. His freshman year was his best year so far at Mississippi State. But that said, he played well on Saturday. I thought Thompson did as well. State's linebacker. State defensively wasn't terrible in this game. They only gave up 260 yards. Now, part of that was uh, K-State got some good field position a couple of times. But... You know, I thought Shoot made some some good adjustments there in the second half, and had you know he had this the team in a position to win. You know, seven of the points that they gave up were going to be off of special teams, and uh, one, at least one of uh, K State's touchdowns came on a short field after a turnover. Yeah. So you know, defensively, I, I didn't have a lot of issues. Obviously, they, they had some some struggles in the run game, which we we all predicted that they would. But by and large, the defense was not the reason State lost this game. Um, what's the deal with Lee Autry? Buddy, you were asking the question that every Mississippi State fan is asking right now, and we tried to get an answer. I uh, mean, he, look, look, let's let's just be real for Zant. He's yeah. best player on the defensive line when he's out there, right? Uh, he's best defensive tackle. I would say yes. Are you going Chauncey Rivers? Is I, I, as I an think end? Rivers, yeah, Rivers uh, uh, and okay. Spencer. Yeah, they
1: are different on defense when Lee Autry is out there. I'll I'll pull it right. back and rephrase. That's good. Yeah, he doesn't play the opener. But he plays in week two against Southern Miss, and then he doesn't play in week three against Kansas State.
0: got an SEC game coming up this next Saturday. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see him or not? I would. I will not be surprised if not only do you see Lee Autry, but that you see Willie Gay and Marcus Murphy this week, because I feel like this is this game is sort of must win for Mississippi State. And if you're gonna play this game, where we're we're gonna play some guys one week. You need them this week. You need to make sure you beat Kentucky. So won't be surprised to see the full crew uh, this weekend. Now, next, it may not happen, but that's what I would think is going to happen.
1: Next three games, Kentucky at home, Auburn on the road, open date, and then at Tennessee.
0: I'd play them all in those games. I would tap out on LSU and Alabama. But hold on a second. If Lee Autry plays that?
1: the next three games, he's then done for the year.
0: Is that right? Then, then maybe Autry not against one of them.
1: I mean, I mean if you say he plays the next the three ball, games, he's know. already played against Southern Miss, and if we're assuming that this eight-game yeah. suspension thing is the, the deal, yeah. and we have to assume because nobody's willing to confirm anything, right? then it's Kansas State, Kentucky, Auburn, and Tennessee in your scenario. And he's done.
0: Yeah, you're right. So I don't know.
1: I mean, four is not a lot of games. I mean, that's only a third of the yeah. season. That means you're missing
0: two-thirds of the year. I don't know. That's, I mean, with Autry, like you said, the, that USM—I just don't get it. I, I just don't. That's the thing I don't understand: is why against USM? You know, no, no offense to Southern Mississippi, but you were going to beat USM without Lee Autry. Well, and even why, if you're why not, why did you decide you It's not an him
1: SEC game. game, right? And it's not against a Power Five opponent, right? Like I said, you you're going to win that game, and 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 you know, if you want me to, if you want me to play the the card that you just played. With no disrespect intended to Southern Miss, there are nine games remaining on the schedule when you play Southern Miss that are a better option to play Lee Autry. Eight conference games and Kansas State. Any of those nine games, it would make more sense than to play him in that game as one of his suspended games or one. I, I, you get what I'm saying. I think. Does that make sense? Or did that not make sense?
0: We'll
1: yeah, we'll see where it ultimately goes. Um, Kylan Hill, 11, uh, 24 carries, 111 yards, I think was the final number. Um, They held him in check pretty good, Kansas State did. I mean, he had a couple of chunk runs and that impressive yeah. stuff that he does sometimes. But by and large, Kansas State up front defensively did a really good job limiting him.
0: You would say he, he, he had to grind... To, to use a Mississippi yeah. State term for everything he got, is there a
1: trademark on that? Kind of like Taco Tuesdays and LeBron.
0: Hey, if you want to talk to Booby Dixon about it, he may his lawyers may want to speak to us.
1: Yeah, um, Tony Allen would like a word.
0: Well, well you know,
1: grit and grind and whatnot.
0: I th- I think Dixon's before that, two
1: thousand nine. Um. Yeah, Kylan Hill really had to work. I know you dropped for a second. Does, does, there, there, what I said a second ago is there are nine options on the schedule that would make more sense than having played in that game last week against Southern Miss. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We will wrap up our number one when we come back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We've got winners and losers coming up in just a little while. I want to do something quickly, though. Listen to the scoring summary from the Southern Miss-Troy game. This game on Saturday night in Troy was wild. 27,108 the attendance. Here you go. Southern Miss, 7-0. Southern Miss, 14 nothing. Southern Miss, 14-7. Tied at 14. Southern Miss up 17-14. Southern Miss down 21-17, down 21-20, up 26-21, up 33-21, up 33-28, up 40-28, to up 40-35, to then it's 47-35, and then 47-42. And if you don't think Jalen Adams is going to be part of winners and losers... And I'm talking about on the winner's side today. You be crazy. Wait until you hear his all-purpose yards numbers from that wild game on Saturday in Troy. You heard Luke Johnson say it last week. If Southern Miss is getting to eight wins, they gotta beat Troy. Now they gotta go back to the state of Alabama this coming weekend. Probably going to find the sledding a little bit more defense, uh, a little a little more difficult. But what a what a performance to get to two and one on the year. That was uh, that was a fun one. Um, look, I mean we're not wrapping this thing up. We may kind of put a bow on this for now. We'll go to winners and losers next. We'll take a look at Ole Miss and Southeastern Louisiana. We'll look around the SEC. We got all week to to talk about it and and kind of look forward. But hey, Dad. The loss to Kansas State, even though it was a, a non conference game, makes this Saturday night's game against Kentucky a really big deal.
0: Oh, it's huge! And then same for them. Same for Kentucky. True. You know they had that game. They they I thought they had that game on ice against Florida, especially you know Franks is out, and I think okay they're they're going to do this, and then he just really you know got blown Kyle out Sir there. Was good. Yeah, he was good. Um, so this is a huge game for both teams, um, and for state, I mean, especially for Moorhead at this point. You know, he, he can't seem to get everybody behind him. He had him the first three games of the season last year, and then you lose to Kentucky and Florida, and ever since then, it's just never been a hundred percent of the MSU fan base behind Joe Moorhead. And you know, losing that game at home. You can see, you know, you looked at the crowd. It wasn't a, a, a sellout crowd by any stretch of the imagination. How many were there? Another, I mean, they said 52, but I would have said probably 45 or so. Okay. And you think... I mean, both you
1: know, both upper decks were basically empty.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, 3 o'clock, another hot, hot yeah. game on Saturday. I mean, I... I well,
1: the high temperature's like 89 this week. It's like a cool front.
0: I'll, I'll wear a pullover. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I just I just you combine that with the fact that it's been two weeks in a row that there's been issues with you know concessions and and there you know there I, there, I don't know if anything has been confirmed for Mississippi State but I've seen some pictures that there were some issues with the water the hydration stations they had up uh, Saturday so not only is the football not great the experience isn't great state state's got got a lot of negative momentum going right now. They've got to find a way to turn that around. Beating Kentucky would go a long way to doing that. And and here's the crazy thing about this. You've only got to rewind
1: two years to people, maybe maybe three or four, but I would say a couple to people just gushing over how good the game day experience had become in Starkville. It was loud, loud, the stadium looked great, great attendance at those games. It was a fun environment that may have coincided with a bunch of night games. Um, it, it all felt fresh. You know, the, the marketing department was doing a good job with incorporating music and video boards and nobody stopping believing, and we got flashlights on cell phones and clang a clang and more cowbell, and it was like just this big fun thing. Good golly, this thing has
0: turned quickly. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's what it is these days. You know, we you start—you lose a couple of games, and a couple of things go wrong in the stadium, and, and this is the problem. This is the problem that you have. Two years ago today, Mississippi State beat LSU thirty-seven to seven, and it was an huge, unbelievable environment. Unbelievable environment. You crushed LSU. Everything's looking good. And here you are two years later. You're coming off of a loss with about you know at least ten thousand empty seats in your stadium, and it, it, it just feels like I said it just feels different now. And state the only way to fix that to start fixing it anyway is to winning. So state's got to find a way to win this Saturday if they want to get that start start turning that around.
1: In some ways, and you know how much I hate making everything or sometimes it's inevitable, a comparison between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But in some ways, it's a little comparable in that you got a little apathy and a little frustration Mm -hmm. and some empty seats, and then you look up and all of a sudden you got a lot of empty seats and a lot of frustration, and it becomes difficult to recover from that quickly.
0: You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Apathy is the right word. Sports Talk
1: Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Tuesday is tomorrow, Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. You've been uh, flipping through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and seeing pictures of people in the outdoors. Maybe they're traveling to uh, hunt. Maybe they're showing pictures of fish. Maybe it's dove hunts that they've been on and have had great success, and you go... And I wish I had my own place. I wish I had a place where I could do that, and I could shoot deer and I could shoot doves and we could go fish and we could just hang out and watch ball games on the weekend because we're not going to go sit in hot stadiums. So we might as well go uh, out to our land, watch a ball game there, in beautiful HD. Mississippi Land Bank can help you turn that dream into a reality. They know the lay of the land. They've been financing and refinancing ga- land for over a hundred years. Give them a call or stop by a branch location near you and check them out. Mississippi Land Bank, MSLandBank.com. It's Monday. It's just after 4 o'clock. It's Winners and Losers.
0: All 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 I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a
2: loser, baby.
1: We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner. And we'll not tolerate a loser. I told you it was coming, so here it is. Winner number one. Numero uno on my list. Jalen Adams from Southern Mississippi. On Saturday night in Troy, Alabama, Jalen Adams had 11 catches. For 180 yards. But that's not all. He had one punt return for five yards, but that's not all. Three kickoff returns for a total of 136 yards, the longest being 100 yards. That is his third return touchdown of the season. Had a punt and a kickoff in the opener against Alcorn State and now a kickoff against Troy. Total yardage in the game. Jalen Adams. One yard rushing, 180 receiving, five punt return, 136 kick return, 322 yards of total offense. And guess what? He wasn't the leading receiver in the game. Welcome back, Quez Watkins. Seven catches for 209 yards and two TDs in the ballgame. So Jalen Adams is kind of my headliner on the winner's list, but it sure was nice for Southern Miss's offense to get Quez Watkins Back into the game, Bork. You give me a winner. College football's top seven. Did you see what they did to their opponents this weekend across the board cumulatively? Do you have a number? I don't have a number. I should do. Come quick on, math, math guy. I know what math guy. <laughs> I took one math class in college, and it was called elementary statistics. Yeah, we were doing box and whisker plots like two months into class. But I'm with you. Clemson went on the road and beat Syracuse forty-one to six, and honestly, they didn't look very good doing it, and still won a road conference game forty-one to six. Alabama went to South Carolina, got backdoor covered on, but were dominant throughout that game. Georgia beat Arkansas State fifty-five to nothing. LSU and, and Alabama got backdoor covered on after what appeared to be a backdoor cover by them. Exactly. Yeah, just uh, that's why you never bet on sports. Uh, LSU beat Northwestern State 65 to 14. Oklahoma had the only fans in the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA 48 to 14. Ohio State dominated Indiana 51 to 10. And Notre Dame beat New Mexico 66 to 14. And Auburn, for good measure, won by 39 points. So college football's top seven slash eight, but I think the top seven really show that they are leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the. All of college football, really, and we're dominant this oh, week. You're not buying into Notre Dame being part of that. Group, no, we will. You? We will learn this weekend that Come they on. don't belong. It's really a top. But six. it's not like. I mean, it's not like we don't have history to show us. No, not a college football playoff game last year in which they got. Yeah. National championship game a few years back in which they got... <laughs> no, but I think I think we have a true top six, and any of those six teams can win the national championship. So the Bama-Clemson thing going into the year, I think both of them have shown weaknesses. In the top six, all of them look capable of winning a national championship. I actually agree with you that any of those
2: six teams could win it all.
1: And I, I don't know how much debate there is about that right now. Rippy, give me a winner.
2: Gardner Minshew. Ooh. They didn't win the game... But that was because Leonard Fournette was stopped a couple centimeters short on a two-point conversion play, but he led a drive that would have gone down and tied the game or won the game if they elected to go for one or gotten the two-point conversion. 23-33 for 213 yards and a score. Not really world-beating numbers, but he got sacked four times, but he looked like he belonged.
1: And how devastating would that loss have been from the Texans?
2: Whew! That wouldn't have been a good one, which is kind of... Random note, the Saints didn't play very well for a lot of that game against the Texans, so aren't the Saints fairly fortunate not to be 0-2? Very fortunate to
0: not be 0-2. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Anyway, yeah, Minshew's a winner. He showed he can play, which is, like, he's probably not going to win that starting job or whatever long-term, but, like, if you produce good enough tape, you can make a pretty good career as a backup or spot starter or whatever you want to call it and make a lot of money. So good for him.
1: There's an argument to be made that backup quarterback in the NFL is best job on the planet. Chase I'd like Dan- to be a
2: punter. Yeah.
1: Punters don't usually make as much, though, do they?
2: Nope, and don't really have an impact on the game other than like field position. I wouldn't want to be a kicker, but you get paid pretty sweet to kick a ball.
1: Did you see the Cardinals punter yesterday? Clearly pulled probably his groin. He couldn't walk, but he's the only punter on roster. Mm-hmm. So he had to limp his way out on the field... Punt a football that was like it just excruciating pain to punt the football and had to limp off the field for the rest of the, the game.
2: Fal- the Falcons had that too last night.
1: That's what I'm talking about. The Cardinals, the Falcons. Yeah, say, he, he pulled his, his groin or something and he could not walk, but he's he's the punter. So mm-hmm. he had to go out there and punt for the rest of the game. Do you think he, try- he told some coach or some trainer, Coach, I can't go? <laughs> oh, if you, oh, you can are- breathe, you're going to go out there and punt there, buddy.
0: Just, just telling you how it is. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. First off, Rippy, when Pat McAfee's calling the Egg Bowl, I'm going to tell him what you just said about...
2: No, 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 no. I said it's a desirable job. I would love to be Pat McAfee.
0: I'm just saying. Also, if, if Swag won you games, Gardner Minshew would go undefeated.
1: Uh, was that an I old went, picture or was that new? Of him getting off, off the, the airplane? Plane.
0: That was off the plane. Are we That's sure that
1: wasn't when he was at Washington State?
0: I mean, the guys tweeting it out were, were acting like it happened getting okay. off the plane in Houston. Okay. Uh, my winner is the Florida Gators. Uh, they they were on the ropes on the road. You lose your starting quarterback. Everything's you know in place for you to go down to Kentucky, and they found a way. Like you mentioned, Richard Kyle Trask, really good. They 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 kept Kentucky from scoring again after it was twenty one to ten, and they get a big win. Uh, You know they're not part of that top six that you guys were just talking about, but I mean, right now who do they play? Georgia and LSU. Those are those are games. I I don't think they're going to win those games, but they'll make it very interesting. Florida could be the big spoiler this year in college football.
1: I hate to burst your bubble, but that was an old picture of Gardner Minshew. That would have been like a boss wearing that outfit making his first NFL start. How do you know? Because I went back and I found the picture of him in that exact outfit. We can't have nice things when he was at Washington State. Maybe he's worn State. it twice. Yeah,
0: well, I, mean, I, I know, no, 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 I know, no, Richard. I know that you buy a suit and then you never wear it again. You just get your tailor to give you another one. I know you. You would never be caught dead in the same suit twice. But maybe he did. No, that that that's not true at all. Uh, you buy suits that last so you can wear them
1: for a really long time. That that's kind of the whole point. But. Um, I'm not sure that's one you wear twice. <laughs> there are some that you just can't roll back out again. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it's real. I'll defer to you guys on that. Um, if the Gators are a winner, is poor chance poor a loser?
0: What a terrible name. Hey, remember, what was it? Clemson, was it Pitt a couple years ago, had the guy named Blewett? Yeah. The- the- he-, he hit the game winner. But, but uh, Chance poor, unable to keep that kind of trend going. Jeez, that's awfully tough. That was, I mean, that, that was
1: chip shot. And it just never turned. At all. So I guess he's got to go on the loser's list. I'm also going with lower body and upper body on the loser's list. <laughs> I mean, we've Fair. all got them. But, but this whole... We're not doing the injury. We're not playing. We're not telling you who's suspended. Oh, just figure it out on you. I mean, what are we doing? But that's the game that Mississippi State's playing. No, we'll tell you on Saturday. Nah, we release that information on game days. Want to talk about suspensions? Oh, yeah, he's got an injury. Lower body. Uh, Coach, he had his leg amputated. Yeah, like I said, lower body injury. Oh, thanks for the clarity. That's on the losers list for me. This we'll get- guy's dead.
0: Cross him off. <laughs> it thin. was actually
1: an upper and a lower body <laughs> injury all at the same time. Total body. All right, we'll go with uh, losers from the rest of our crew and get to your winners and losers when we come back in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Winners and losers continued with you on this Monday afternoon. You can, um, you can text your winners and losers from the uh, the weekend. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Dan in Charleston, my winner, the Golden Eagles, for finally showing some life on offense. Loser, Mullen, for not protecting his quarterbacks. Loser, Richard is only announcer on show that can't curb his bias. Hmm. Oh. Got him.
2: Bad journalist what card. Ab- What'd Shot you think about that
1: Uh, yeah. There was a Ray Guy reference from Richard and Wiggins. It wasn't related specifically to winners and losers, but anytime Ray Guy is mentioned, I immediately put him on the winner's list nothing wrong with that. Bad man. All right, Borky, give me a loser. Some Saints fans. Ooh. Yeah, because when your future Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning most accurate passer in the history of the sport of football gets injured, what do you expect is going to happen? Because there are some people that apparently think no matter what, if Drew Brees gets hurt, the offense should not miss a beat. The backup quarterback should lead a comeback against the best defense in the NFL on the road, and if he doesn't, he's a bum that needs to get replaced by the guy that's playing tight end. No, Bridgewater wasn't a Hall of Famer yesterday, but he certainly wasn't bad considering the circumstances. I wouldn't call him good either. Right, but don't equate not Drew Brees with bad. Aaron Donald and that defensive line flat out dominated the Saints yesterday. Drew Brees was not having great success yesterday if he stays healthy with how bad the Saints were up front, how disorganized they were. You had multiple big plays negated by penalties. It was a mess after Drew Brees went down. And for some reason, that surprised people. Like, Hey, I'll- you record stuff we say. Are you recording what you say right now? Yeah. Because I want to play this back in about three weeks when you realize Teddy Bridgewater's no good too. I don't think he's anything more than what he is, which is what everybody should have expected him to be. Yeah, but we talked about this, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, we're paving the way for Teddy Bridgewater to be the starter of the future after Drew Brees. I'd never once Come said on. that. No, I never once said no? that. No. Has hey Dad? No. I know that's been said on this show. I said he has we showed... talked about the great value that's there, paying making just $7.5 million a year. Well, yeah, as an experienced backup, yeah. But, the highest paid backup in the league, he was no better than and, any other. And now he's going to start for six games at yeah. least. Well, and he was a Pro Bowler before his injury, but he was still a Pro Bowler and a starter. I mean, when for his injury, how many starters in the NFL go down and the team doesn't miss a beat? No, I'm not arguing that. I just didn't think he was any good. Just Jacksonville. Well, yeah, maybe so, but I mean, it's not like they were productive yeah, they got offensively of yesterday, quarterback, though. It's
2: pretty tough to get thrown in off the bench and have Aaron Donald in front of you as you snap the ball, too. That's not exactly ideal.
1: I mean, just this idea, oh, he's a bum, play the tight end, is just a massive overreaction when Aaron Donald flat out dominated you all game long. Like, maybe give him a chance against somebody else when the starter doesn't get hurt and the team can game plan. I don't Like Seattle next week or Dallas the week after. That's a brutal stretch. And if they can find a way to win mm. one of those games, it's a miracle. But you probably weren't winning yesterday with Drew Brees considering what Aaron Donald was doing to you. Jeff and Grenada, C Spire text line. Did Borky just say, he is what we thought he was? Yes, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the crazy, he's the backup quarterback for a reason. How how can you lose a Hall of Famer in a game and expect the backup to lead A come-from-behind victory in Los Angeles against the best defense in football. What did you expect from this guy? Rippy, give me a
2: loser. Uh, UT Chattanooga, they lost to Tennessee, which no one's done. (laughs) (laughs) UT Chattanooga.
1: should it be worrisome that uh, Tennessee scored only seven points in the second half?
2: Probably not. Wasn't the game like forty-five to nothing?
1: Yeah, it was forty-five nothing. Fine. They were up thirty-eight nothing at the half. Scored a touchdown in the third quarter and zilch in the fourth. I'm sure up forty-five to nothing. Knowing what lies ahead, they wanted that clock to run as quickly as it possibly could.
2: My real loser would be Clay Helton because he lost to BYU and that they he's got a fan base that already wants him fired out. Really know how you explain that away? Because the team they're playing this Friday beat the brakes off of BYU on the road.
1: True or false? Urban Meyer will be the coach of USC next year. He seems energized and focused on that Fox broadcast, doesn't he? I'm leaning. I don't know what to trail. say
2: one way or another because USC needs an A D first.
1: Oh, I agree with that, but my guess is they'll do that in a reasonably expedient fashion. It's possible, I'm just saying. You know, to hire somebody to replace somebody that's no longer there. Can aren't, be done. Aren't they going the whole search committee route with a, all that stuff similar to the old Miss Chancellor search? Where they're taking nominations and having board meetings and stuff. Hey,
0: Dad, give me a loser. <laughs> I'm gonna just go across town from uh, from Rippy's choice and go to Chip Kelly. UCLA might be the worst team in college football. They're really, really, really bad. And I'm surprised. I thought Chip Kelly, you know, would get back in, and I didn't think they'd be competing for a national title or anything. But I didn't think they would be getting run off the field. He's three and twelve in his career at UCLA, it's almost like at some point after that first season with the Eagles, he just forgot how to coach football. He has not been good since.
1: I think game's changed. Everybody's caught up there. They're all doing the same thing.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. He peaked when the full tempo thing was new.
1: Yeah, I mean, Andy Andy Staples has talked a lot about this and written some about it, that he was the first guy to take advantage of the changing from the 25-second clock to the 40-second clock and defense not being able to make substitutions if the offense didn't make substitutions. And he was just ahead of everybody, and everybody copied him, and uh, now we've all caught
0: up. Well,
1: Sucks for UCLA. Hey, um, you know who else is a loser? Tell me. I am in Studio X today in Jackson. It's beautiful. Spectacular. Sitting in the big chair today. Somebody clipped a fingernail and left a big old fingernail clipping just oh, sitting God. right here gross. on top of the counter. Oh, that's come on. Gross. come on, man. Whoever did that Loser. There are limited options. Of Mayor who that can be. of loser Well, I understand that, and I'm calling them out and Rebecca's on maternity leave. It's also a group of lawyers that come in here for a little while as well. Well though. then I'd they're I'd... the losers. Somebody's a loser. All right, here we go. Uh, All of the – here here we go. Richard really wants to jump on the state bandwagon, but he knows his plaid pants are not welcome in Starkville. (laughs) (laughs) Those
0: flat front khakis are nothing, buddy. What's wrong with plaid pants anyway?
1: Diehard state fan, Richard, you do a darn fine job. Thank you. It's kind of you. Whatever. No, no, I mean, thank you. For, no, I was not whatevering your compliment. I, kind of you to say that. Whatevering the initial compliment that spawned that. Uh, winner. It, wasn't, it was not a compliment that spawned that. Bruce says, Dak Prescott, one of the hottest QBs in the NFL right now. The man's going to get paid yeah talk about just in case you were wondering clutch is not dry, like a fourth quarter drive clutch is in contract negotiations throwing for a bunch of yards and touchdowns in the early that, going of your season
0: that's That clutch. 40 million is getting closer every day
1: <laughs> Now these quarterbacks keep dropping like flies in the league too now like Sam Darnold gets the kissing disease and Drew Brees is out and Big Ben's out and suddenly it's like holy crap Yeah Darnold's Disease doesn't seem so bad these days. (laughs) Uh, Loser for Bruce, Mississippi State offensive line. He says Kylan Hill should never be hit in the backfield as many times as he was on Saturday. They got whipped. ain't no other way to put it. Johnny McComb says that's probably JT's
0: fingernail. (laughs) You said it, not me, John. Put it up to the mic. If it says anything about liberals, you'll know it's him.
1: Uh I'm looking for other winners here.
0: Uh Chris and Laurel, winner.
1: That helicopter freshman QB. Somebody called it a Schrader copter earlier. You oh, gotta okay. love the effort.
0: He's tough as a two dollar steak
1: Uh loser Cam Newton. Play attitude. He needs to quit raiding his
0: grandma's closet. <laughs> we got one on the text line from Barrett Johnson. Tell we should, it. Less miles in Kansas. Ooh, good call.
2: Could. So, less is a loss to Coastal Carolina away from being halfway to bowl eligibility? Yes. That's exactly correct. <laughs> Woo. And they get Baylor in West Virginia. I'm not saying they could do it, but they get West Virginia at home. We were looking at this. Didn't they West Virginia beat Coastal? North
0: Carolina State? Handily. Yeah, they did. What is West Virginia? What
1: is NC State? West Virginia is a team with a good football coach that doesn't have the team ready yet. Like he doesn't have the roster he wants, but he Borky, can coach ball. Borky got just cruised over. We were talking about Chris Kleiman earlier as a head coach, and you mentioned it, but we just kept on moving. Your comment about Bill Clark earlier is spot on. Somebody is eventually going to hire Bill Clark away from UAB, and they're going to have a heck of a football coach when they do. Sports, they t- swallow their pride. You boys Sports have t- a good afternoon. I'm out. All right. See ya, hey dad! More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Where does this song rank all time? Is Proud Mary a top 20 all time song? It's really versatile. Like I think it's been played at every wedding I've ever been to. It's a good road trip song. Yeah? That kind of stuff. Is this the version you would go with? Nah, well, it depends. Wedding, when the when you have... I mean, it's Ike and Tina when you, you're talking about a wedding band. Yeah, you, you get the people that really can afford, like most people's wedding budget, they just spent on the band, and you've got like a ten-piece band with horns and stuff, and they're playing that? Yeah. You know who actually wrote Proud Mary? No idea. John Fogerty. Oh, Probably could have guessed. Yeah, if it you makes came. sense. <laughs> I mean, I just threw it out there. I, I didn't know if you were saying that because it was some like some other famous person you don't know. No, I, I look. You know, I'm not music guy, and I know it's not what everybody does. But when I hear John Fogerty, I'm thinking center field. I'm not thinking CCR. Is that crazy? No, the baseball song. It's a baseball song. You're a sports guy. The kinda. baseball song. <laughs> Uh, let's turn the page from Mississippi State's game against Kansas State to Ole Miss's game against Southeastern Louisiana. First things first, I suppose, it was a win, and Ole Miss is now 2-1 and one on the year. Rippy, you and I were texting back and forth some after the game. I mean, this Ole Miss team this year is limited. There are going to be some bright moments. And some of those bright moments are going to be as a result of plays by the youth on this team. And there are going to be some not-so-bright moments, and some of those are going to be a result of youth and lack of experience on this team. Now, if you want to do like the, oh, well, the offensive and defensive line are made up of this many seniors and this many juniors and this many sophomores, whatever, you can break that down all you want. But it was an incredibly inexperienced offensive line, and you've got impact players, quarterback, backup running back, bunch in the receiving core that are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen or some sophomores. Is that just kind of what this team is going to be?
2: Rippy? Yeah, I think in some senses. But I don't know if you can just blame the offensive line on Inexperience alone. I mean, some of it's probably ability because they do have two experienced guys on there. Yeah. And the line hasn't exactly fared very well. So, yeah, I think some of it, obviously, on most of the rest of the offensive side, that's definitely the case. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was an FCS school that had 11 tackles for loss and scored 29 points. So, Part of it was probably just they didn't play very well either. They were a little bit sluggish. But, yeah, I think most of what you said is probably pretty accurate.
1: What do you take away from Saturday?
2: If Ole Miss isn't going to be able to block the people in front of it on the offensive line, they're not going to win any more games other than New Mexico State. If they get better, then they'll have a chance to be competitive in some.
1: Is it possible that it's an up-and-down thing?
2: Probably. I mean, they were a little better against Arkansas, but I don't know if that's a product of Arkansas's offensive defensive line not being as strong. I, I don't know. So yeah, maybe it's up and down, but they like that game highlighted issues for them that aren't necessarily going away. I think they can get better in the secondary and play better than they did last week or really the last couple of weeks. But I don't just don't know where the reinforcement or improvement is necessarily coming from up front. And if you can't block people, you're not going to move the ball. If you may not move the ball, you're not going to score points.
1: Saturday was the first time, and I know we're talking three games, and it's small sample size, but it's now a quarter of the season. But almost tackled well against Memphis and against Arkansas. Only a couple of missed tackles in either of those games. And it like every other play there was a missed tackle on Saturday. What was different?
2: Jacquez Jones said after the game they maybe underestimated a little bit of that of Southeastern Louisiana speed, because they do have a D1 bounce back at running back. They had a couple D1 bounce back quarterbacks, some guys that receiver that were pretty quick. So maybe a little bit of that. And there was a lot of flare routes that Southeastern Louisiana ran and Ole Miss did not cover those well at all until it left guys wide open space. And, you know, if guys have a lot of room, it's hard to close in and tackle on them. Even a good defense in some senses would struggle with that to some degree. So I think it was a combination of a lot of things.
1: Matt Corral, twenty-one of thirty, two hundred thirty-nine yards, two touchdowns, no picks in the ball game. He did have a couple of fumbles in the game. Um, there are people that are looking at Matt Corral going, "I just don't know. I just don't know." He's, he started three games, and he's got one interception on the season, and pretty average football teams, two and one. I'm not entirely sure what you could reasonably expect from Matt Corral that he hasn't given at this point?
2: A little better decision-making and a little bit more accuracy. But but, but is it reasonable to
1: expect those things three games in as a starter?
2: I mean, I guess that's debatable. I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, perfection, no. But some of it, I I understand like the gripe as far as him playing better. But again, when you're developing a young quarterback, it's also hard when he's playing in front of an off, behind an offensive line that isn't, isn't very strong, to be completely frank. And so some of it's that, but like there were throws on Saturday that would have been picked off by better secondaries. And there were a couple of throws that will most certainly be picked off by Cal this weekend if it happens that way. But I don't know. He was just a little off on some throws. And even some when he made the right decision, I thought it was a little bit late. So the passing game has been very hit or miss for Ole Miss. There's been some bright spots. And a lot of it is, they really haven't had a guy emerge as a second option behind, or a consistent second option behind Elijah Moore. Maybe that changes when Braylon Sanders comes back. But you've seen some flashes from Drummond, a couple from Mingo, a couple from Miles Battle. I'm probably leaving somebody out there, but there, no one, Demarcus Gregory, no one's really kind of emerged in that sense. And so they're going to need a, at least one or two more reliable options at receiver. And they don't necessarily seem to have that right now. Why that's the case, I'm not necessarily sure. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but they're going up against one of the best secondaries in college football this weekend. So how they get separation against those guys will be interesting.
1: Jerry, Jerry on Ealy, pretty good football player, right?
2: Yeah, he's pretty fast. Uh, he got asked after the game. What he was thinking on the kickoff return and it was I think he said something to the effect of I'm pretty tired, I better not get caught, and then he got asked about how often he gets caught from behind and he knocked on the wooden panel in front of him and said, Never happened. Huh. But yeah, confident in in the
1: um, in the locker room in the post game interview, I asked I said I said, Harry Harrison's sitting up here on the radio in the booth going, Man, why don't they just fair catch it? Twenty five yard line's pretty good starting field position. I said, is there any discussion about when to fair catch and when to not on kickoffs? And he says, well, here's how I look at it. If I catch the football at the 5-yard line and I can't get to the 25, then we really probably ought to get somebody else back here. <laughs> I thought that showed a little personality and a little confidence and, uh, and some skill as well.
2: Um, He's not short on personality at all. No. No, he's not, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Like it's refreshing. He's he's an entertaining interview. When you uh, when
1: you look at Matt Corral in terms of passing yard statistics, he's currently ninth in the SEC. How about LSU quarterback Joe Burrow leading the way? Seventy-five of ninety, he is completing eighty-three percent of his passes. Eleven hundred twenty-two yards. 11 touchdowns and 2 interceptions
2: Yeah Hey Dad, if you're listening on the drive home Told you
1: Tua tonga 70 of 91 So he's only completing 77% Of his passes, however 12 touchdowns No picks And he's only been sacked 3 times This year one thousand seven yards passing through three games for Tua, eleven twenty two for Joe Burrow. Kelly Bryant third in the league, then Kellen Mond, Felipe Franks, who's now out for the year, Jarrett Garantano for Tennessee. Just looking at the the completion percentages for the quarterbacks in the SEC are outstanding across the league. Ben Hicks at Arkansas, who lost his starting job, completing 46.7% of his passes. Bo Nix at Auburn, true freshman starter, completing 52%. Every other starting quarterback in the SEC is completing better than 60% of their passes. early. We'll see if those numbers trend down at all. Quarterback play not currently an issue in the SEC. Tommy Stevens at sixty five percent, Matt Corral at sixty three percent, Jake Fromm at Georgia at seventy five. These numbers are eye popping. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Very first look at Cal, Mrs. opponent. 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday morning in Oxford. Cal's fascinating. They kind of struggled with UC Davis. And I'm not trying to paint with too broad of a brush, but the fact that none of us know absolutely anything about UC Davis and that's like just one of the California system schools. No, one thing. Makes me think they're not very good. Their head football coach is a good coach, or was at one time. Who's that? Dan Hawkins. Is he really? Yep. Boy, you want to talk about bad career decisions. The, the leaving Boise for Colorado? I mean, it was obviously it's a decision that you make. But in hindsight, does he just keep on coaching at Boise State and keep on winning at Boise State. Think about how that would have changed. If if Dan Hawkins doesn't leave for Colorado, think about how that changes college football history. Right? So Hawkins leaves, Chris Peterson gets the job, takes Boise State to an even higher platform, ultimately takes the Washington job, and you got, uh, was it Brian Harson who played quarterback at Boise State, who goes back, left Arkansas State's job. When he left, it opened up a spot for Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson's the one that finally put a stop to the one or two years, one or two years, one or two years, one or two years, and every year a new coach. It's just like one domino sometimes in college football creates all these other dominoes. Didn't Dan Hawkins get into trouble for saying something about not being able to have a girl kicker in college football and he got a bunch of backlash for something or other.
2: Wasn't well, this the dude playing his son at quarterback too that wasn't necessarily any good?
1: Yeah, Cody Hawkins. Yeah. Went 10-3 and last year at UC Davis. Uh, good for him. Uh, so, so anyway, well-coached football team. Fine. It's UC Davis. It's UC Davis. So Cal didn't exactly run away from UC Davis in the opener. Then they go and they win that weird super late like 3 a.m. in the morning West Coast game against Washington with a knuckleball field goal at the end and then they come back home last week and they have an early start on 11 15 a.m. kickoff West Coast time and they jump out early against North Texas but then they just kind of sputter I don't think they scored after the first quarter they're up twenty to nothing and kicked a field goal in the third and won 23-17. Defense is pretty good, Rippy. Offense, no idea.
2: Yep, secondary really good. Defense pretty good. Again, offense I don't know. What what is the over under on this thing?
1: Ole Miss is now favored in this game. It opened with Cal favored, and then. Came back to even, and I think Ole Miss now a point-and-a-half, two-point favorite. I, I don't know, I guess. I, it seems like I saw 47, maybe?
2: Pretty low for a college game.
1: Cal's at the last five unders, if uh, you're a trends person.
2: Really? Oh. Hmm.
1: What's your first thought of this game, both of you? Well... What you saw from Ole Miss's offensive line is who they are on Saturday. But the difference between what you saw on Saturday versus Arkansas is they schemed around it against Arkansas. You didn't see any rollouts or anything like that for Ole Miss this past Saturday. They were extremely vanilla, so that's always going to be an issue. But I would expect them to do more of that this weekend. But it's hard to get a finger on it. It's a huge opportunity. Yeah, game plan for, for Ole, Miss Ole Miss we, offensively looks more like what it did against Arkansas than what it did against South Carolina. 1,000%. I mean, they ran a zone read like nine consecutive times in that game. Matt Corral could have pulled the football on at least half of them and chose not to. They were extremely vanilla by design. They didn't move the pocket at all. None of that stuff. By design. And maybe you can scrutinize that because it was still a close game, but what you saw – schematically last Saturday was not even anywhere close to a fraction of what that offense actually is. Arkansas is what the offense actually is. Last Saturday was, let's get through this and get ready for Cal. Rippy, I know they wouldn't admit this, but do you think in that zone read game, RPO game, there was some instruction for Corral? Hand it off.
2: I don't know. Do you I not buy into with, the,
1: the the dialed back the playbook?
2: No, idea? I buy into that. But like, if, why are you like as far as like eliminating an option on one of the plays you're running? I don't think they would do that. But as far as like scheme wise being pretty vanilla, I do buy into that some.
1: You can call straight dives too in, in a zone read. I mean, you can just call a standard give yeah. and, and do it that way. But they it's absolutely like thirty power or something, right? But they absolutely protected their quarterback in that game without a doubt. And it, you know. They won. He got hit
2: pretty hard, though.
1: Yeah, he did. Well, protection was kind of an issue sometimes. College Football Fix coming your way when we roll into the 5 o'clock hour next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippey. Hey, Dad had to split for a little while on a Monday. He will rejoin us tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. If you're a farmer in North Mississippi, And you need an equipment loan, a production loan, it's time to buy a new piece of property, or maybe you've just got loans with other people and the terms aren't very favorable, and you need to refinance a loan. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do. They understand the farming business. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Check them out online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for Tough. They're the best-selling trucks in America for 42 straight years. Also got great deals going on right now on the 2019 year-end models. Check them out today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. College football fix. Let's just kind of recap the weekend in the SEC. Alabama, they win 47-23 to over South Carolina in Columbia. What a bad beat, by the way. South Carolina hung tough early. It was 14-10 to at the end of the first quarter, but then Bama rips off, what, 20 unanswered to really push the lead out. South Carolina gets a third-quarter field goal. They had some scoring in the fourth quarter. Bama scores 13, South Carolina scores 10. Uh, what, Alabama scored a, a touchdown late to make it 47-20, right? I think it was 47-20 Bama was up. It, wa- it was 34-16, and then 40 47-16, and then 47-23. Okay. So they were covering until they weren't. With 11 seconds to go in the game. That's a tough one, Rippy.
2: That is tough. I didn't get to watch any in that game because it was the same time, but that that's rough.
1: Alinsky can play. I mean, he's young... He did a couple young guy things, but his talent far exceeds that of the guy whose job he's taking. Tua goes twenty-eight of thirty-six for four forty-four and ties a school record with five touchdowns. Speaking of guys that can play, Tua Maloa stays healthy. Good gracious he's efficient and accurate, and he has got weapons all over the place. Jake Fromm goes 17 of 22 for 279 yards and three touchdowns. Every single run, one of us was wrong on this pick, thinking whether it was a sympathy play or whatever that Arkansas State would score a little and Georgia would take its foot off the gas. They did nothing of the sorts. 13 in the first, 21 in the second, 14 in the third, seven more for good measure in the fourth, 55 to nothing. Georgia doesn't have a weakness. Agreed? It's hard to spot one right now. I do think that uh, letting Justin Fields go was a mistake, but I mean, it's not like Fromm's bad. I just when you look at Fields, Fields can do a little bit more. Yeah, but but they're winning, and Fromm's very good. So you know, LSU kind of sputtered. In fact, they trailed seven to three at the end of the first quarter, but then got it going. Joe Burrow, pretty good game, twenty-one to twenty-four, not bad. Three seventy-three and two touchdowns. Uh, it was a disinterested LSU team that kind of sputtered out of the gate. And then they pulled away late. LSU's really good. They're really good. Auburn wins 55-16 to over Kent State. Three different players who uh, rushed for over 100 yards in the ballgame for Auburn. Big night for uh, Booby Whitlow. 135 yards on 17 carries, two touchdowns. Florida wins at 29-21 over Kentucky. I mean... A, a do what you must do to win. Credit to Florida. They drive down and they get a big touchdown late. They outscored Kentucky nineteen to nothing in the fourth quarter. Defense played well. But Kentucky had the game to win. I mean it was there. did well, they do as a thirty how long was that field goal? It's a missed field goal. Thirty two, thirty six? It was a little longer than that. Thirty five yard missed field goal. Thirty five yarder.
2: Wasn't really close,
1: was it? Never had a chance. I mean, he hit it straight as an arrow when he was lined up on the right hash. Interceptions Um, aside, Sawyer Smith can throw the ball a little bit. He can. A little bit of an injury, right? After the interception when he ran the guy down and made the tackle, kind of banged up his hand a little bit. Doesn't sound like it's anything permanent. Threw for 267 yards and two touchdowns in the win. The big news from that game, or the biggest news from that game, Felipe Frank's out for the year. He's got uh, at least six months of recovery process in front of him. Texas AM went 62 to three against Lamar. If a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it, does it make a sound? It's kind of how that one feels. I mean, they had a big crowd at the game and then they left early. Um, but AM's good and they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They just went out and just absolutely dominated. One thing we've not talked about. Jay Sean Corbin's out for the year. The starting running back at the beginning of the season who was supposed to come in and replace Travion Williams, out for the season, he was lost in that Clemson game. That's a little bit of a knock. Isaiah Spiller, though, steps in for A&M and goes for 116 yards and a couple of touchdowns in the game. Is that? That's not younger brother of C.J. Spiller, is it? We have to do some. For some reason, We're gonna I, do some research on that. Talk about bloodlines. Yeah, and for some reason, I remember the story about C.J. Spiller having a brother going to play somewhere in the SEC. That may not be the case at all. In fact, check me on that. It's possible I just completely made it up. Uh, Jared Garantano didn't throw it much. He was seven of eight for 142 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty good production for the uh, the limited. Uh, amount of uh, stuff that went on. Arkansas and Colorado State tied at 34 after three quarters. And then the Hogs go wild in the fourth. They scored three touchdowns. Have you guys seen the highlight of Cheyenne O'Grady's touchdown after the catch? He brought like 27 tackles on one play. It was pretty impressive. Shouldn't have taken that to... Pull away was late it from impressive Colorado State, that he but, scored, or was a tackling display that is that poor impressive? Probably more so that than yeah. the. You've almost got to be impressed with that bad of a tackling display. Kelly Bryant, 15 of 20, 225 yards and a touchdown. Larry Roundtree, uh, 142 yards, two touchdowns. And Missouri wins 50 to nothing over Southeast Missouri State. Was Game One against Wyoming an aberration for Missouri?
2: I still think it'll be a pretty place, pretty tough place for Ole Miss to go up and win. If that says like anything, yes, sorta. I don't think they're as good as maybe we thought they could be, but they're also not as bad as the first game. Somewhere in the middle.
1: I mean, they lost what thirty-seven, thirty-one to Wyoming in the last two weeks. Have beaten West Virginia thirty-eight to seven and Southeast Missouri fifty to nothing. Missouri hosting South Carolina on Saturday. That's that's the gauge. We'll know what week one was like on Saturday because South Carolina is still not very good. A lot of holes defensively, but they run the football pretty well and Holinsky looks talented. So we'll see Saturday what they really are. Is that an interesting game? A little bit, yeah.
2: Muschamp had an all-time quote at halftime, by the way. I don't know if y'all caught that. The
1: uh, that he-wasn't-going-to-comment deal? I can't yeah, come on that because I'll get fined for the rest of my life?
2: Yep, yeah, because I'm not going to comment on that because I will be fined for the rest of my life. Peace, <laughs> you and Vontez Burfitt.
1: <laughs> Early look at the lines for this week. Bama's a 38-and-a-half point favorite at home against Southern Miss. LSU and Vanderbilt in Nashville. This one's tricky. LSU favored by 23. Might jump all over that. This Vanderbilt defensively is not... A typical Derek Mason defense. At least they haven't been so far. It's an eleven a.m. kickoff. Does that do anything for you?
2: Let's LSU people get up and drink earlier.
1: Yeah, they're probably not used to that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, maybe that, o'clock though. on the road. Maybe eleven o'clock on the road is different than eleven o'clock at home.
2: It'll be eleven o'clock on the road for Vanderbilt. That stadium will be purple and gold.
1: No, I understand that, but. LSU just, I mean, you know, they're a different team at night, seemingly. Florida's a 14-point favorite at home against Tennessee. Ole Miss now a a 2.5-point favorite against Cal. The line has moved. Uh, There must be some injuries. I know Cal didn't play three offensive linemen uh, in the game against North Texas, so maybe that's more of a permanent thing because that movement's insane. A&M, four-point favorite at home against Auburn. Mississippi State, a seven point favorite at home against Kentucky. Missouri's a nine and a half point favorite against South Carolina. How about Georgia? 13 and a half. That's how much they're favored over Notre Dame. Two touchdowns. And the Razorbacks, three touchdown favorite, 20 and a half against San Jose State. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. This, uh, this number, best QB throwing percentage in nation a year ago, and he's picking up where he left off. Come on, a lot to talk about. Tua, I think. Jack Abraham.
2: Yeah. We got the, you don't talk about Southern Miss, then we pointed out we talked about Southern Miss, then we we'll, well, how much? <sighs>
1: Sorry, I missed it. Um, all I know is that was a really good win for Southern Miss on Saturday night. To go on the road to Troy, it was a shootout. Quez Watkins being back in that game was a big deal. He goes for over 200 yards receiving. Jalen Adams has a monster day in the kick game, but not just in the kick game uh, with the uh, what, 180 yards passing. Uh, I'm sorry, 180 yards receiving. Jack Abraham how's this for a day, Borky. 28 for 36. 463 yards. Two touchdowns. And you also had Neil McLaurin Go one for one for a touchdown. All right. I got to know what that play was.
2: Does Southern's win do anything for the bowl pecking order for two teams that are, assumably, if they have similar records, being like a similar echelon? Talking
1: about Southern and Troy?
2: Yeah. Well, it's different conferences. I guess that's true, but I was just asking. I wouldn't think
1: so. I, I think Southern Miss. You know, the biggest thing is you can't leave yourself in the spot you were in a year ago, where if there aren't enough bowl slots available, are you going to be the one that gets left out? Now, last year was a unique situation because they only played the 11 games and they finished six and five. Uh, who's to say though that if the game against Appalachian State is played, you, know, you win that game? It's possible you finish six and six. And that's a really good app state program too. Yeah, I mean, that's why this wins maybe you it. win it in seven and five, but 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 Troy's good. Troy had won thirty one games in the last three years. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, Neil Brown left. It's not like he left behind a barren program.
2: And seven probably squashes that uncertainty at all.
1: That's what makes Saturday's win so important because it's yeah. sandwiched yes, in between. They're in. It's sandwiched in between two SEC West teams, two games that you're not going to win. And a game on your schedule that going into it, even talking to Luke, and we will again tomorrow, um, and said that this was kind of a toss-up game, one that you know that they can win, uh, but it's not like they were – what were they, point-and-a-half favorites or so? Going into that game, they had to have it in order to leave no doubt, and and they went and got it. Yeah, and when you look at Southern Miss' schedule, I mean, you had to get through the first four, two-and-two. Because regardless of how ardent a supporter you were, how big a deal it was, how how big a deal it would be if you were able to pull off a win against Mississippi State, if you were able to shock the world and beat Alabama, nobody's looking at that going, all right, let's see, first four games, win, 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 eh, I guess a loss. I mean, if you were just going through doing the win-loss-win-loss thing, you're going win against Alcorn State, loss against Mississippi State, Win. That's not easy, but I hope it's a win against Troy, loss against Alabama. You go 2-2 two and two in that stretch of four games, which is what's most likely to be the case, given that they've gotten the wins against Alcorn and Troy. Now you set yourself up for a chance to have a pretty good year. How good? We'll have to wait and see. But you're going to roll into conference play with a game against UTEP. It's a winnable game. North Texas, it's a winnable game. At Louisiana Tech, Rice, UAB, UTSA, Western Kentucky, FAU, there is not a game after Saturday. There is not a game on Southern Miss' schedule the rest of the way, final eight games of the year, that are not winnable games. Does that mean they'll win them all? No, it doesn't. They do, they go ten and two in a heck of a year. Six and two? I don't know which two, but that kind of gets us back to what we've talked about with Luke ad nauseum. Can you get to eight and four? Eight and four, pretty good season. Eight and four, headed to a bowl game, chance to make it a nine-win season, chance to continue to build some momentum. It's a great year. All right, it's a really, really good year. Yeah, great, maybe, probably, maybe, probably. That's that's good, right?
2: It's good stuff. Yeah,
1: maybe, probably. Look, I mean, an eight-win regular season in a bowl game—that's a good, solid football season. I don't care what level you're playing in. Just the, just the reality. Um, look, man, I'm gonna say this one time. We hadn't had to do this in a long time. If you want us to talk about Southern Miss, don't come at me with the, oh gosh, you're not talking about Southern Miss. Just send a text or a tweet to the show that says, hey, I thought Southern Miss's win was pretty impressive tonight. What did you think of Quez Watkins' return? Do something to promote the conversation instead of going, you don't talk about Southern, shut up. If you want to talk about Mississippi State, we're not talking about it. Ask a question or send a comment. Get Drive the conversation that way. Don't go, you're not talking about me enough. It's ridiculous. It's funny you say that because we just get a text from Jonah in Belmont. Hey, guys, I haven't been able to tune in to yet today, so I don't know if you've talked about this. And then he gives us something about Mississippi State wants our input. That's how you do it. Kelso and Ocean Springs. <laughs> you're not talking about James Madison. JMU. Good to hear you came but he back gave safe us a, from that hurricane, by the way. He yeah. gave
2: us an update before that, too. They won 62 to 63 to 12.
1: There you go.
2: He thinks they played a high school team.
1: There you go. See, here we go. Hooter from Brandon. Thought we had a really good offensive performance. Talking about Southern Miss I agree. A lot. And I don't know if you can oversell how big a deal it was getting Quez Watkins back. Wonder what last week is like if he's back. I don't think the result changes, but the comfort in the game is a little bit different. Mississippi State's had some issues in the secondary. More than some. Put an extra weapon out there? You don't know. And all we know was violation of team rules out for the first two games of the year. When you get him back. and when he comes back on you're talking about the leading receiver from a year ago, and he comes back and it's 209 yards. Objective call right now, who is the best team in Mississippi? Ooh, that's something we could spend the next four shows on.
2: And it's still probably State.
1: Today it is. With the healthy Tommy Stevens, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, like, Saturday for them was not a very good loss. But, like, people... they already beat one of the two schools. And you really haven't seen a lot from Ole Miss to make you feel that great about even formulating an argument about them being the best team in the state.
1: Well, that. And, I mean, yesterday... Saturday's reaction and yesterday's reaction, we've even got some of it today, and I understand where it comes from because if all things are the same last year, but Dan Mullen is the head coach, they probably don't lose five games, and so there was inherent frustration, but if you really look at Saturday's game for Mississippi State on an island by itself, they lost to a Big 12 team with a veteran quarterback by a touchdown in a game in which your starting quarterback from the very first snap was not even close to being 100%. And he had to get pulled from the game for a true freshman because he, he, again, was not 100%. He's injured. His shoulder is injured or hurt. And you lose to a Big 12 team with your injured quarterback. You have to play a true freshman for the entire second half. That game is not cause for termination. Like we've gotten some text. I got some Sunday and that you've seen on social media and stuff. That one game is not jump-off-the-ledge game at all. It's not a bad loss at all. It's not a good anything either, but abandoning ship because of that one game, considering the circumstances around it, is not reason to terminate your football coach. I fall in the middle here of... Yeah, but... With Mississippi State, and... But actually. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it does I mean, you, you can't yeah butt yourself to death because, I mean, it's a zero-sum game. You either win or you lose. But if the question is, what's the best team in Mississippi? I mean, are you talking about at full strength? Because healthy Tommy Stevens and not dealing with Tudor Gate slash suspension gate, whatever, it's Mississippi State. They're a different team when Lee Autry and Willie Gay are playing. But those two guys aren't back on defense, and they lost three first-round draft picks to the NFL which is something that we undersold all offseason. Only time will tell. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.